0: JBL's Everything Audio podcast, powered by Headliner Radio.
1: Today we're welcoming Philip Scobie onto the podcast. He's Director of Global Product Management for Installed Audio at Harmon International. Thank you so much for joining us, Philip. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. It's a pleasure to have you today, man. It's. Um, I just want to kick it off, Phil, uh, if that's all right, um, uh, and talk a little bit about your, your professional background, if that's okay. I understand... Uh you're a Grammy winner as an engineer working with uh Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney. Maybe maybe um you can talk to us a little bit about that first?
0: Yeah, I I I oh, emphasis on Grammy winner is weird. I'm not a Grammy winner, <laughs> I work with Grammy Grammy artist, I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good good enough, I think. But yeah. that's correct, yes. Uh Started my career in live sound, I guess, was how I got started in the business and had a very fortunate opportunity to work with many, many great stars over the years. Dating myself a little bit, I started in 87 in pro audio. So a few years back is when I actually started doing this world of audio.
1: When was uh, the first time you kind of went out on the road, Phil? um with a band when when did you get your first big break in that respect
0: oh, well I, I had many good breaks over my life but i think one that really uh kind of set me in a sail for for the future was i ended up working with a, a country music band out of nashville uh called alabama mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. they started in early 79 and i joined them later in life uh and, and was fortunate enough to run with their career all the way through the end of their uh season they're back now which like most artists I guess they retire then that's not good enough they come back but we officially retired I think in 2006 or 7 I think it was
1: sounds like you were kind it, of uh followed those guys through through the course of their career or for a nice chunk of it at least which, which was, I
0: did yeah. I was very fortunate you know many people in the we get into the live sound and we end up going from artist to artist and I remember once on a job interview, uh, I was interviewing somebody to uh, work for the tour and he was very proud to stand there and he had like 45 laminates and he was like wanting me to see that he'd done, you know, all these great tours and, and I chuckled. And he's like, what's so funny. I'm like, well, I've got a few, but I only carry the one because I've been with him for many years and they don't want to, they don't want to get rid of me. So I'm not sure what you're showing me as a, as a help or not. (laughs) I he kind of got the hint at that point. It's like, I, w- I was with an artist because they wanted me and I was there for many years. So I think that's a privilege and an honor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what was it then, Phil, that, that drew you to to the product side of things and product development? Um, I know you started with Crown in, in 2014. Um, tell us a bit about that background um, of yours and, and how you ended up uh, well, moving Well, I, I did a lot of work
0: with, I worked a lot with Crown over the years, developing tours and building a lot of artists. And so I ended up buying a lot of gear. And uh, formed a really good relationship with uh, a lot of people at Harman and ended up going to work at uh, Crown to manage touring amplifiers at the time. Okay. And um, just kind of through the nature of Harman being multi-brands, they needed me to come to California and work in the install group and tour group at the time uh, before we moved those to separate groups. And uh, ended up coming to Harman, I guess, 10 years ago now. Um, So... Yeah, now I manage a large team. There's 10 on my team scattered around the globe, and we handle everything from a small microphone or ceiling speaker or all the way up to the largest PA box and uh, BSP or amplifier. And any product used in the install realm, it falls under my team.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I wanted to segue slightly and talk about, I mean uh, – I wanted to talk about a bit about, you know, your best and worst experiences, I guess, um, in your career, I suppose, bumping into your product in real life. Um, you know, when you've been working on something for so long or a launch and then seeing that in the flesh, um, is that how many sort of experiences like that have you had any kind of really super fulfilling projects that
0: you've worked on over the years? From project side from a Harmon, I've had some great projects here. Um, I guess I'm working on one now that I can't give too much information. It's codenamed Titan. And it's been a a large uh, development process for a new DSP box that will be uh, used in all things in the world. Okay. Um, and we started that a long time ago, it seems like. And then COVID hit and kind of derailed the whole world and so it's been an ongoing project with 160 plus engineers for a few years now. So oh, it's wow. the largest most complicated thing I've ever dealt with and it is also the most exciting because it is complicated. So that would be my highlight. Um if I if I look at also live out I have many highlights out there, you know, winning we won many grammys and many awards and so all of those are very uh, special to me but A funny one that wasn't, I guess, you asked originally for both good and bad. Mm -hmm. I guess the bad isn't really bad. It's more funny. I remember years ago doing a show with 45,000 people in the crowd, and we suffered a power outage in, in the nearby block, and it took out power to the whole building. And when power came back on, it took out what's called a power supply that ran the console so well, there was a little bit of a scary where we switched everything over and get it back up and running. And the funny part about the whole story was normally that would be no big deal. It doesn't happen that often, and mm-hmm. we recover, and life goes on. That was fine. But it happened to be a special occasion where I had a guest in the crowd, and they were at the booth, and it's an elderly lady, a grandma, if you will. And uh, after the show, I asked her, I said, How did you like the show? And in her sweet but so so such perfect voice, she looked at me and said, well well, Sonny, it was really good right up until it quit. <laughs> <laughs> and like that stuck with me as, you know, that people yeah. in the crowd don't necessarily know what happened or didn't happen, but they do know that it quit. That it right. Quit. So yeah, yeah. It, it was a very valuable lesson, I think, to learn. It's like, and I coined this phrase, it's not me the only one that says it, but many things, many yes. people have heard say it, but it's, if you're going to be in audio, continue to make audio, and it will, best case, still make audio, good, better, otherwise <laughs> at least make audio. And I always have thought of that and thought that's so poignant and so true, because the average person may not know what's right or wrong, but they do know when it gets quiet.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay cool um Phil if you wouldn't mind talking us through I guess um your day to day uh what you're up to day to day a day in the life of a product development team leader if you will um and maybe allude to some of the topics uh, and trends uh, in product development especially on the installed side that you're seeing um at the moment
0: sure um I mean my mine may be a little different than the average person i uh, I have a large team of ten mm-hmm. So first thing when I get up in the morning and get get to work, whether that's remotely you know, through the COVID years or like today back in the office, uh, my first order of business is check email and see what's going on because my team being global, I might have something happen overnight they need help with. So I really quickly scour through that and segue uh, what I need to answer right away or what I can put off till later in the day because there's quite a few emails from those. So I, I, that's step one. Step two is to kind of check on all my projects. We have about 10 at any given time with the team. So I kind of get an update that may be reaching out to each one of the team members that's active on a project and just checking in, you know, whether through text or through an email, just, hey, what's going on, any updates, anything I should be aware of. Um, And then from there, it's diving into those projects. We have lots of meetings for those. So I'll have probably many meetings to have to go to and just keep things on track, right? Everything's about a timeline and product development. And it's almost like phases, right? Phase one, you you engineer at phase two, we build a sample. Then phase three, we build another, then manufacture, blah, blah, blah. So depending on where those processes and where we're at with those uh, projects, I have to check in on all those and and find out what's going on. Um, Then there might be um, some product development where I need to go do a presentation or something to... Whether that's the engineering or outside the company, maybe it's customers or future people potentially using the product. So we do lots of travel and uh WebEx presentations and education of, of the product and what we're trying to do, work with sales to make sure we're targeting the right market, the right price. So there's hundreds of little things and it's it can be really exciting when you see uh product management is from cradle, you know, or birth to the end of life of a yes. product. So there's There's many different things I have to do in a day. It might be taking care of an older product and phasing it out or checking on a supply chain issue. COVID caused us many griefs, as you can imagine, with uh, supply shortages. So we we sort of diverted our role. A lot of times we were not doing product uh, development so much as product support, trying to figure out how to continue to make it and build it and get it for our customers. So... It's a very creative world, and I tell my team, you're your own entrepreneur. You're an own independent businessman, and you run these products, and it's your job to make sure everything's taken care of. Nobody else is going to do it for you. So lastly, I think I check in with my team, and if they need anything from moral support to somebody showing them how to do something they haven't done or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's kind of my leader role, father role, if you will, to help the team get forward. And uh, I guess that's, in a nutshell, a day in the life of a director for product management.
1: Okay, cool, cool. And I just wanted to discuss with you, you know, being kind of at the forefront of this and and having done it for for a long time, um, sort of just wanted to discuss the community um, and talk about some best best practices uh, you could perhaps share. Um, some challenges that that are facing the install industry uh as a whole at the moment um for example integrating with amplification um and vnc teams you know to achieve more kind of holistic solutions and then obviously network audio dsp technologies all that kind of stuff
0: wow that's a that's a mouthful okay we'll um yeah, it's a bit
1: loaded loaded
0: we'll start with best practices i sure. think um Friends have changed. It used to be years ago when I started, engineering was kind of on the forefront, and they would develop a technology, let's say, or a new transducer or a new amplifier, and and then they would you, you would get to know that. They would educate you and go, look, here's what we've done. It's it's great. It does this. And then in some ways, we would figure out how to wrap a product around that and go sell it to market. and. That, that was old school product development. I think new school product development, what we try to do today is try to look at it from the end result backwards. So what problem am I trying to solve for my customer? What is the need they're trying to do? And then work that back to what do we really need in a product? And one of the things I really teach the team is you, you have to be careful when you're doing product development. We tend to want a product that does everything, you know? And I'll I'll use the car analogy. You could build a car that could transport people, go off-road and be a four-wheel drive. It could do everything, right? It's a it's a multi-purpose everything, but nobody would buy it. It would be too non-specific of a direction for the world sure, and it would be yeah. too expensive because you've loaded too many features. And product development is that way. You can put too much in into it. Apple's really good at this, right? They remove stuff to make it simpler and easier to use. Mm. And, and in a lot of ways, we argue with them and go, I can't believe you removed the USB port. But in the end, we use it and we go, well, okay, they were right. We didn't need it. Yeah, yeah. So i I cautious my team to not over-feature over-productize. Find out what need you're really trying to solve and what is the customer looking for and develop for that. Give them exactly what they're willing to buy and use. So that, that that's my I guess how I've seen product development change okay uh, they're still great still great ideas but I think we just need to be more focused and more specific on, on what we're trying to accomplish sure sure um, technology wise was another area I heard you say and you're correct years ago it was all different amps were different DSP was different you might use them together in a situation but now you have products that have all that combined it's a it's a speaker it's an amplifier and it's DSP all in one. And um, w- we've done a lot of work here at Harman to do what I call platforming, which is um, for an amplifier, we learn how to scale it and make it from a small needed powered loudspeaker size amplifier all the way up to a, a large amplifier that can handle many speakers. And then we learn how to take those platforms and scale them according to the product. And we do the same with DSP and we do the same with loudspeakers. And we've been able to merge all those into products that we really can go to market with and use. And that helps both the end user in that we keep costs down because we're not specifically redesigning everything one-off for every product. That's important. And secondly, it really helps the world because we're able to better service that. If it's a DSP line that's just scalable from small to large, depending on the product, and you have a support team and an engineering team that's focused on how to build and design that, then it's easier to maintain. It's not maintaining six or seven product lines. It's one product line that is scalable. I think scalability and knowing your product and what your market target is are two keys to real-world product development today, and Harman's doing really good at that. I think the second uh, really important thing is just trying to figure out and understand the life cycle of a product. Install products tend to have really long life cycles. Um, and that's, that's challenging for a development team to develop something that may last 15 years and be able to plan out how am I going to have service parts available for a 15 year run? Yeah. Yeah. And some product lines are two or three years and like, you know, look at our, 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 phones and our laptops we use every day. They don't last, but a couple of years, we go buy a new one. You don't really worry about repairing them so much. They're disposable and you just get a new one and move on. Um, with a longer port- portfolio like mine, that runs 10 to 15 years. You really have to think about, how's that how's going to work in 10 years? What are we going to do? What's the customer going to need parts-wise? And you try to engineer products that are more flexible in that regard. So it can be a challenge. Sometimes that adds cost, but you don't want to, but sometimes it does. And it's just a different world between a professional product and a consumer product, I guess, would be my my best way to describe it. Okay,
1: okay. I mean obviously your role has evolved over the years uh, Phil um but has your job become any easier at all you know as technology has advanced and and products especially on the install side like you say have become increasingly integrated and streamlined um or or not does that you know it, does it does it just kind of present a different challenge for you in that respect
0: I think it I think it's both um I think it has gotten better I'll use my past experience as a mix engineer right so when when I was mixing many live bands, it was all analog, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah, so you had a yeah, physical yeah. you had a physical mixing board with hundreds of knobs on it. And I will always equate this to my software team. It's like I have 10 fingers. And whether you want to think about it or not, my brain can operate those 10 fingers and I can do multiple things at once. I can be hitting a mute, moving a fade or turning a knob, all with just two hands all at the same time. And at some point we've transitioned into this world to make life easier for us. And you see it in cars. A lot of cars have removed physical knobs and put everything on the software. It's easier to manufacture. It's just software. Great, simple. But try to turn the air conditioner up and the volume down on a car today. You can't because you can only do one function at a time. And that really worries me. We need to find a better way to do certain things. And we were looking at that through AI being able to automate some of what you want to do Mm -hmm. so it can read ahead. But I kind of go back to that car model. It's like, wasn't life simpler when I just wanted to turn the vent fan up higher. I just grabbed the knob and clicked it once. Now I got to hit a screen and go to climate and then find fan. And it may be four button clicks just to change the fan speed in a car. And I don't know that that's, helping us. It's definitely cooler in that it's software-driven, but I think in some ways it's not as effective or fast. So maybe my age leads me more to worry about things like that, but I see it in audio as well. So I really focus on how to make it not be the negative but be the positive. Yes. I think there's something software and integration can do that will help us, but we can't lose sight of what we're really trying to do, which is be a creative tool for, for people, whether that's playing music in a bar or whether that's playing live sound to a 50,000 people we're we're making audio devices to make people happy and that's a great thing but we need to not overcomplicate it either.
1: Sure okay okay all right I think that's that's the majority of things I wanted to talk to you about Philip. Um, Finally have you got any advice or final thoughts on the industry and where it's heading I mean you've kind of for the most part answered that question just now Um, in terms of where we're heading with AI advancements and that kind of stuff. But yeah, anything else to add in terms of um, where you kind of see the industry heading in that respect?
0: I'm going to answer it in a weird way. I'm going to go back to my childhood when I was trying to get into audio. I I went to my guidance counselor and said, I want to be a live sound engineer. And he literally looked across the table at me in the 80s and said, I don't have a clue what that is. And I guess one fundamental thing I try to teach my kids and I would tell other people trying to get into it is just the audio community now is much different than when I was there. It's a larger community and use the resources. We have Internet, reach out, ask people questions, find a mentor, figure out a way to get in. There's actual programs in audio now you can get into it and learn it in in college and in university. So it's a different field and it's growing daily. But it's a creative, a creative role. So if you like creating things and you like making people happy, then look into audio. Maybe the career for you, I guess would be my advice to people and never take no for an answer. Believe what you believe, learn from people. It's the most generous community I've ever met. I've never had anybody in the pro audio not be able to answer my question and be excited about it. And I think, I hope we all do that today for the next generation. I know I try to do that. It's it's a great community, and Harman in general is a great technology company to do that with. We have many areas, whether it's audio, video, lights, whatever. Harman is is very representative of all those brands, and I think we do a good job at mentoring um, people in the industry to get into our field. So I welcome any new people to come into it. It's a great future. I have no idea where it's going. Um, I, AI is going to be really popular and and uh, uh, surround sound and, and inclusive audio where it's multi-channel sure, is the sure. next big wave and i think uh it's going to be really exciting what we come up with
1: awesome awesome phil thanks so much for uh taking some time out to to have a chat i really appreciate it it's been super interesting um hearing about your role at harman jbl and um and just listening to to your thoughts on on what's going on at the industry at the moment so um so thanks so much for your time
0: Um, it's been my pleasure being here if you have any future questions don't
1: hesitate to reach out perfect thanks so much phil uh for the purposes of the uh podcast we'll say our goodbyes now and uh, hopefully catch up soon great thanks so much
0: headliner radio supporting the creative community